0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is it that makes Jesus' parables so appealing to us? For one thing, of course, they're the Word of God, spoken directly to human beings by the incarnate God, and recorded for us and for all of His church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think another thing that we tend to like about them is that they're rather accessible to us. Even without the explanations that Jesus often provided to His disciples, those of us who have been brought to faith by that very same Holy Spirit can pretty much recognize the parallels and analogies to the kingdom of heaven and to other matters that Jesus is trying to communicate to His hearers and to us. I think the most appealing aspect, though, is that it's so easy for us to see ourselves within the context of those parables. Last week, for example, the gospel lesson was also about the sowing of seeds. Some of that seed fell on the path and was gobbled up by birds. Some fell on rocky soil and sprouted up before withering. Some fell among thorns and also sprung up before being choked by them. And some fell on good soil and grew to a great harvest. We love to put ourselves into that story, don't we? It's reassuring to think of ourselves as the good soil, that fruitful ground upon which God's word has landed, taken root, and given forth a bountiful yield of faith and good works. The same goes for the parable in today's gospel lesson. We hear of good seeds and bad weeds, and there we put ourselves right in the middle of that story. We recognize ourselves as those sons and daughters of the kingdom growing in the field of this world. There are plenty other of, st- of stalks of good seeds of the faithful believers around us. Unfortunately, the field is also infested by lots and lots of weeds. Those unbelieving ones who belong to the enemy, the evil one who temporarily rules this world. But we can put up with that inconvenience in this life, we're convinced even though we don't like having to deal with all those weeds. We're confident about our future, perhaps even a little bit cocky. We begin to polish up our crowns of glory and choose the style and the trim of our white robes. Just wait, we think. At the time of God's choosing, the angels will come and make the harvest will be brought into God's storehouse as His precious crop from the good seed. And all those weeds, they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. It's a great feeling knowing that one is a son or a daughter of the kingdom. And while we don't relish or revel in the terrifying fate of those who will turn out to be sons or daughters of the evil one, We do tend to look down upon them sometimes, don't we? Those poor fools, we think. They rejected the gospel when it was offered to them. They clung instead to the temptations and the promises of the prince of this world. Oh well, tough luck for them. Before you get too carried away, though, and start picking out your lavish accommodations in heaven let's remember one thing very clearly, shall we? You and I are fundamentally and naturally no better than any weed in that field. Repent. You've got your own twisted roots. You've got your own curled and brown-edged leaves. You've got your thorns and thistles. Your own bitter fruit where God would have you bear sweet fruits of the Spirit thirty, sixty, or a hundredfold. You know the sort of weed that you sometimes are. The enemy knows about those times too and stands accusing you, daring you to stand before the good farmer and to dare to call yourself good wheat. It's only by God's mercy that you aren't ripped from that soil by His angels when you show your weedy self. And it's only by His grace that you will be called and counted among the good wheat when the harvest finally comes. We sometimes forget this. Too many times we look at others and say, well, he or she is obviously a weed. It may look that way to us from our limited perspective. Yet we have to remember that Jesus used a word for weeds here that describes a plant which looks very much like wheat during its early stages of germination and growth. It was only as the plants matured and came near to the harvest that one could tell the difference. Maybe this is the reason that the sower, the Son of Man, instructed His servants, the holy angels, not to pull up the weeds too quickly. Only God Himself can tell who among us is wheat or weed. If we go by appearances, you or I might make some serious misjudgments. There are a lot of people out there in the field that look pretty good to us. They're quite righteous and upstanding on the surface. And as far as we can tell, they're probably to be counted among the wheat. But for all we know, they may simply be those whitewashed tombs that Jesus speaks of elsewhere in the Scriptures. Outwardly impressive but inwardly filled with the rottenness and the stench of death. On the other hand, there are some pretty coarse characters out there, too. People who have bad habits, dirty minds, filthy mouths, careless lifestyles. You know, sort of like those people that Jesus reached out to during his ministry here in this field of the world. Sort of like like us, too inside our hidden innermost hearts and beneath our pious exteriors. Repent, both for your own coarseness and for presuming to think that you can tell the wheat from the weeds. Leave that to the owner of the field. He sees and he knows all things. And before the creation of the world, he has chosen those who will be brought into his barns in the blessed harvest yet to come instead. Take heart that the owner and the sower of the field looks at you and does not see a useless, obnoxious weed. He sees a precious, holy, and righteous sheaf of wheat, a plant rooted in the deep soil that His Word has prepared and cultivated, a plant drenched in the cleansing waters of your baptism, a plant that has been fertilized by the rich red blood that flows from the wounds of your Savior. You will sometimes, perhaps even often, look and feel like a weed to yourself or to others. But the same Lord who has shed his blood for you on Calvary's cross has undone the sowing of the weeds that you and the world and the devil have accomplished. He has redeemed you, he has given you his righteousness. He who is the first fruits of the grave has made you the first fruits of his heavenly kingdom. The single seed who died and rose again from the ground so that others might yet grow and live has made you a perfect sheaf of grain, one day to be harvested and brought into the barn of his father. What blessed assurance that is for us erstwhile weeds. The promise that through the gift of faith given us by the grace of God, we will not be wrenched from the ground, or thrown into the fiery furnace of hell. Instead, when our time of living here among the true but invisible weeds has come to its end, we will be gently gathered by the angels and made to shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. In spite of our sinfulness, we are made holy by the blood of Christ. Martin Luther understood the wonder of this blessed tension when he wrote the Latin phrase simul justus et peccator, at the same time righteous and sinner. We might adapt that phrase somewhat as we contemplate today's lesson. We are simul triticum et zizania, at the same time wheat and weeds. But your heavenly Father sees no weeds. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ, the sinless one, even when he looks at you and at me. He sees the bountiful harvest of good wheat, standing healthy and strong, a fruitful multitude whose first desire, as one's made free in Jesus, is to please him. Unlike the way that only the owner of the field can tell the wheat from the weeds, and unlike the way that the father sees only wheat when he looks at us for the sake of christ we do not have the capacity to tell for certain who the father has chosen to be wheat and weeds we are called therefore not to despise those who outwardly appear to be weeds to us we are not given the task of uprooting the weeds or risking damage to the wheat hidden among it we are simply to do What the field owner has tasked us with, carrying the message of his gospel to those who have ears, that they might hear it. We leave the final harvest, that final sorting of wheat from weeds and grain from chaff, to our Lord and to his angels. For we have a different sort of angel work. It's not the work of harvesting. It's the work of planting, watering, cultivating, and fertilizing. In the book of Revelation, St. John called those who spread the gospel angels, and that is appropriate for an angel, an angelos, is the messenger of another. John called the proclaimers of the gospel in several of the early churches angels, and that is indeed what they were. They brought God's precious message of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ to those who had ears and who would listen. Go forth, then, dear angels, enriched by the word, absolved on your knees, washed in the font, fed at the altar, equipped and sustained by the Holy Spirit. Carry the same precious and unchanging message that has been given given to you and tell it to wheat and to weed alike. And know that your faithful and loving God will prosper your work according to his perfect will gathering you and the fruit of all the good seed into his heavenly kingdom at the end of the age. In the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.